Hello and welcome back to Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and enjoying our kids to the glory of God. I'm your host, Kira Nelson, and it is truly a pleasure to be with you today on the program. So last week, all across the East Coast, there were really there was really terrible air quality due to these horrific forest fires in Canada. And on a few different days last week, the air quality was so poor that you really shouldn't people really shouldn't go outside or really couldn't go outside. And for me and my kids, that was really challenging. We are very active people. We typically spend three to six hours a day outside. I love to work out. I usually run or work out outside about six days a week. So waking up and realizing I was going to be unable to go outside and my kids were not going to be able to run around and play and I wasn't going to be able to have a workout was honestly super stressful. So laying in bed, feeling stressed out and anxious, I sent a text to my neighbor, Carrie. So Carrie lives a few streets over from me. She has kids that are just a step older than mine and she's delightful. And I said, Carrie, I have three questions for you. One, do you have a treadmill? Two, can I use it? Three, can I bring all of my kids with me? And of course, lovely, wonderful, delightful, fantastic Carrie said, yes, come right on over. So we got to pop over to her house. My kids got to play with her cool kids in their like super fun Lego closet, um, playing with all their cool toys. And I got to have a solid sweat. And I actually did this two days in a row. And that was super clutch for me. That really blessed my mothering and kind of rescued my day. And one of the things I really love about the place that I live are the people that I live around. I have a lot of examples like the one that I just shared of how my neighbors have blessed me. My neighbor, Susan, uh, who's a retired lawyer, she routinely, routinely checks up on me and she has a household guy for everything. And last week when the smoke was super bad, we also went over to her house and played in her basement with her cool toys that she has for her grandkids. Our backyard backs up to Kathy's yard and we share a fence and we have a gate between um, our two places. And her kids, who are just a little bit older than my kids, will come over and share afternoon tea with us, whether it's at our house or at their house, sometimes a couple times a week. Fiona's nine-year-old daughter routinely rides her bike past our house just to say hi and then to pop in for a play date. Um, In our neighborhood, we have potlucks, we read books together, we discuss religion. We bring each other meals. We even started a neighborhood kids choir last year that was really fun and really chaotic and just kind of a mess, but it was was really sweet. It was really very special. But when I moved into the neighborhood three years ago, it didn't feel like this. So if you're listening to my description and you're thinking, that's nice, Kira, thanks for sharing, but that's absolutely not my experience. Just know that that hasn't always been my experience either. And as I'm going to share in the body of this um, podcast, statistically, being isolated and feeling alone and lonely is actually um, the majority of of young moms and particularly particularly young moms. Um, I think it can also feel just really hard to connect with people when no one seems to want to look us in the eye or even unplug their headphones to say hello. But over the course of my almost 10-year marriage, although I have definitely been rejected and I've definitely been ignored, I've lived in several different places, 
I've lived uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts in kind of a university town setting. I've lived in Shadyside in Pittsburgh, Virginia in this funky split townhouse. Then in a high-rise apartment in Arlington, Virginia that had a dog spa. And now our beautiful house in the Sleepy Hollow neighborhood in Falls Church, Virginia. And in each of these different places that I've lived and the different contexts that I've lived, I've been blessed with a few really great neighbors who I came to depend on and many of whom I still pray for. And I think being a good neighbor and being one who depends on others is an important skill for the wise mom. So over the summer, I'm going to be doing a series of conversations of considerations on relationships on neighboring, on our church family, on friendship, etc., that will be interspersed with some of our more formal interviews about authors and influencers, etc. Neighboring is a huge topic, so I'm not going to get into all of it, certainly not. But today we're just going to be discussing on a more high level why Christians in particular are called to be people who are rooted to a place and the gift, really the untapped gold of knowing our neighbors. And then we're going to discuss just a couple of practical tips for getting the relational ball started, for getting it rolling. Summer tends to be a time when more of us are outside and we might have a chance to connect with more of our neighbors. So I hope that this episode is encouraging to us as we seek to be front yard people who love well and are loved well by the people who live right nearby. So I hope this is encouraging to you. All right, friends, so let's talk about neighboring. I'm assuming for most of us, deep in our gut, we really want sweet neighborhood relationships. We truly long to know and also to be known, to live in spaces that feel welcoming. I think there's a reason that shows like Gilmore Girls, which feature a mom and a daughter in a small town where everybody knows everybody's name, are so popular. And in large part, I think it's because when we're watching a show like Gilmore Girls or the show like Cheers about the bar in Boston where everybody knows your name, we're watching this because we really do want sweet community. We really love the idea of a place where we are known, where we're loved and accepted. And I've also found that most of us truly want to be able to love, to know, and to accept others also. But our modern society in the West has become really fragmented. A new report by Harvard University found that 36% of Americans are experiencing serious loneliness. And some groups, such as young adults and mothers with small children, which, right, is going to be a lot of us, are especially isolated. Our lifestyle is so fast-paced. Many of us don't live in the city where we were born. For example, I grew up in Washington state outside of Seattle. My husband grew up in California in the Palm Springs area. We now live in Virginia outside of Washington, D.C., and we spent time in Massachusetts um, and in Pittsburgh. So we spent time in Cambridge, Massachusetts and in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania earlier in our marriage. This issue of disconnectedness and loneliness is such a huge topic, and it has so many dimensions, so many things that play into it. And it's one that I'm looking forward to discussing together on this program quite a bit, because I think it's really important for us as moms to 
identify this problem and to deal with it. Today, we're going to be narrowing our focus to think specifically about the need to connect with our immediate neighbors. How can we fight against the cultural norms of isolation and seclusion and instead forge patterns that will bless us and will bless others, recognizing that this is going to be an uphill battle? I think one of the first things to do is that we need to identify that this is in fact a problem. Isolation is taking a huge toll on the people who live around us and a huge toll on us. As Christians, we have been called to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. It fights decay. This whole world is groaning under the effects of sin and isolation. And those things, though they're a result of the brokenness of our world, And it seems in some sense that this lack of community and this isolation has accelerated in the last few generations. I was talking to my neighbor, Susan, when I was over at her house last week because of the smoke about what her neighborhood was like when she was growing up. And she described how they all just walked to each other's houses and about how her dad carpooled with five other men to get to work. The women were home. They would spend time together. And that's really not so much the case right now. Right. Like, I think that kind of togetherness is very common on TV shows because we love to watch it. But in real life, it's not always the case. There aren't actually these glowing, fabulous relationships that are just instantly easy to walk into. But as Christians, we are called to be people who fight against the sinful tendencies and patterns of this world. We're to be full of light. As Christians, we are to reflect the light of Christ. Think about John, the first chapter of John. So John 1, 1 through 5, it describes how Jesus is the word of God by which all things are made and that he is the life of men, which is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So as Christians, as those who are in Christ, we are to reflect his light and we are to bring life to dark places. So then the question is, all right, so who are my neighbors? Because obviously when Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors like ourselves, he didn't just mean the people who live in our zip code. But I think he certainly didn't mean not the people in our zip code. It's clear that our neighbor is going to be anyone that we come into contact with. So real quick, let's just look at the classic neighboring passage in the Gospels. So this is in Luke 10, 25 through 37, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay, so starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to the test to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was leaving, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And what I think we should notice from this section, there's so many things, but for the purpose of our discussion today, these three different people who passed by the man who was beaten and left on the road shared one thing in common, and that was proximity. They were all in a close physical relationship with this man on the road. Two of them chose to ignore him. They had other things that were going on. Their lives were fast paced. They couldn't be bothered. It was too challenging, too hard. And one person, the Samaritan, recognized that this person was, in fact, his neighbor. This person who lived, or not lived, but who was in physical proximity to him was his neighbor. So obviously, there are going to be a lot of angles to who our neighbors are from a biblical sense. But I think it's important for us to recognize that neighbors are not just people who are on the other side of the world. Those are our neighbors. We should be praying for them. But as limited embodied people, we dwell in a specific space in a specific time. And as such, we're limited. And I think God is specifically calling us to think about who has he immediately put in front of us. And those are our neighbors. And I think there are some real benefits to knowing the people who are physically close to us. It is so nice as a mom to have friends that I can walk to. It is so nice to have a neighbor like my neighbor, Susan, who checks in on me. It's so nice to be able to walk across the street to my neighbor, uh, Chin, who has every kind of tool in her garage and borrow a saw that I need. It is extremely beneficial to me to be able to spend time with another mom with kids and have a play date with someone right in my neighborhood. The Lord says over and over in his word to be wise about how we spend our time. And I think it's helpful to make the best use of the time by sometimes considering how we can even cut down on our driving. Now, I'm not saying at all that we shouldn't be driving to make a point to visit other friends. I routinely drive like an hour and 15 minutes to visit my friend, Chelsea, and I drive about 20 minutes to church multiple times a week. I'm just saying that there's something so lovely about cutting out a little bit of our driving in order to invest in relationships with the people who live right next door to us. The other glorious thing about getting to know our neighbors is that often, not always, but often, it will mean getting to know people who might be different than us, different than we might choose to be friends with. Because they are so close to us, we can get to know them. And I think that's a real benefit. And I think this might be particularly true for for you if you live in an apartment building in an urban area. When we lived in our high rise in Arlington, our neighbors were just from all over the world. And it was super cool. I remember one afternoon having tea with a few neighbors in our, in our lovely apartment. Um, and the group, I think I'm trying to remember exactly, but I think it included a woman from New Mexico, a woman from England, um, a lady from the UAE, another person from Thailand, and I think Bangladesh, but I might be conflating a couple different teas. 
But I learned so much through getting to know the people who lived in the same building as me. And I got some really delicious food dropped off at my house. So that was fun. I got to learn about the people of the world who literally lived like a couple doors down. Um, And I got to make some really cool friends. And when Christ returns, there will be some from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people and every nation standing before the throne. And it's really cool to me that some of these nations, for some of us, are literally right next door. As my friend Hannah says, God chose the house that I was going to live in or the apartment or townhouse or whatever situation. And he knew who my neighbors were going to be and how he was going to use me in their lives and use them in my life. And I think that's really exciting. The other practical reason I want to mention about getting to know our neighbors is that we might have gold living next door and not even realize it. This is a concept that I first read about in the book, The Art of Neighboring, which I really love and highly recommend. I don't agree with all of it, but I think it's a great book to help us get started in thinking about this important practice. And what I mean by the term, uh, the gold next door, is that many of our neighbors may be tremendous resources to us, and we might not even know it. For example, I really want to be able to grow things. Um, And I do kill so many plants all the time, but I really want to be able to grow things. And you know who knows a lot about growing things in my neighborhood in particular? Are Marlene, Kathy, and Margie. These are some older women who've lived in my neighborhood for 20 plus years. And they have all the thoughts and all the ideas about what to plant and where to plant it. And the other fun thing is that Marlene routinely actually drops off extra plants at my house. Whenever she's thinning, she'll just bring by the beautiful plants from her yard to my yard that already thrive well in my particular climate. So anyway, that's just very fun. But from a more philosophical standpoint, I think it's important to recognize that we have created bodies and we're meant to dwell in particular spaces. We are body and we are spirit. And the body part of us that is stuck in a particular spot It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. In the new heavens and the new earth, we are going to have bodies. God created our bodies as being good. And part of having a body means that we have to dwell somewhere. In his article, An Underrated Key for Fruitful Christian Life, A Rooted Life in a Place, Jeremy Lindman argues that there are two types of people in our world. There are boomers and stickers. Boomers are those who want to move up in the world. Their desire is to win, consume, move on to something bigger and better. The boomer is motivated by greed, power, and comfort. He has little to no need for relationships and community. He is the self-made man. He rushes through, past, under the guise of upward mobility and progress. American history is a biography of boomers. But stickers, on the other hand, find a place and stay. They build a life, settle within it, and commit themselves to their place. Stickers, writes Barry, who he's quoting here, are motivated by affection, such as love for a place and its life, and they want to preserve it, and they want to remain in it. Not all stickers spend their lives in one place or pass their days sweating on idyllic farms, like not me, Um, but they see their place, their space, as a place infused with meaning. And the sense of home, stickers remain and they try to leave things a little better than how they found them. God has designed us to live within the boundary lines of our bodies. We're both emplaced and embodied creatures, surrounded by fences on all sides. 
An enduring mark of spiritual maturity is the faculty to dwell well within these fences. The quality of our relationships largely depends on our willingness to recognize and to live within. As a culture, we also often want to chase the best opportunities, the next big thing. And I think this can even be a sense in motherhood. We're always running around to things, driving to things. But I think it can be really helpful for us to think about how to look into all our world, our neighborhood, our spheres of influence, and see the people made in the image of God that the Lord has given us to serve and the Lord has chosen to use in our lives. So obviously, the topic of neighboring is so broad. So many books have been written about it, many of which I love. I love reading books about neighboring. It's actually one of my favorite things to read about is neighboring. It's just so encouraging. And there are lots of nuances. And this is, uh, you know, there's so many nuances here. A huge issue to talk about is how to get relationships past annoying surface level discussions of local crime or illness outbreaks or whatever. But what I'm going to discuss below, just for the sake of trying to keep this episode under a certain amount of time, um, are just a few basics for starting to get the relational ball rolling. And these are things that, as I've been typing this up, have been really encouraging to me, just encouraging reminders, even if we're pros at neighboring. I'm not a pro at all. I'm certainly not a pro. But if you're a pro at neighboring, I hope this will even still be encouraging for you, just as a reminder of things that we can be doing to um, be present and to be available in the places that God has chosen us, chosen for us to dwell within. So surprise, surprise, my first practical suggestion that I cannot stress enough is prayer. This is really the most important place to start in every part of our lives, but particularly in neighboring, we need to be praying for our neighborhood or our apartment building by name. I think it's helpful to try to learn some of the names of our neighbors and then to be praying for them. Perhaps, you know, weekly or daily, we can write them on a sheet and then kind of rotate through when we pray for them. When we lived in Arlington, I would also pray for Quincy Park. It was a park right off of our apartment building and had a fun playground that I would often go to where I would meet people who lived in other surrounding apartment buildings. And then I would just generally pray for the Latitude building. I would pray that the Lord would call many to himself from that space. I think we ought to pray that God will give us the ability to meet our neighbors because sometimes that can feel like such a barrier, right? Just trying to meet people. So let's pray. Let's pray expectantly. God, help me to meet some neighbors today. Help me to make eye contact with some neighbors today. I think we should pray, be praying for opportunities to connect with others who have similar life ry- rhythms to us. This is going to be really important for actually becoming friends and for staying friends. If you're always trying to connect with a neighbor that has none of the same daily patterns as you, it's going to be really frustrating. It's really frustrating to me when I try to make that happen. So I should be praying that God would bring people into my neighborhood that I will be able to naturally connect with. Or I should be praying that God would show me the people who already live in my neighborhood that I can naturally connect with. And then I think we ought to be praying that God can give us a neighbor partner or two. Women who may be of a like mind, who might share our faith with us and can share our vision for community. We should be praying that God would give us endurance and creativity and seeing how we can best be present in the spaces that he has given to us. I say we need to start with prayer because it's really the most important part of cultivating any godly practice. If I want to be a better homemaker, the first place to start is by asking God to help me to grow in that way. 
and then asking him to give me discernment and wisdom about where to go for practical help on making that happen. We need to have both a consistent prayer life and an enduring prayer life. It needs to be consistent. We need to be to, to continue to do it and we need to endure in it. We can't just do it for a second, assuming that everything is just going to instantly work out. We should be wrestling with God in prayer and we should be wrestling with God in prayer for relationships within the spaces that he's placed us in. So really do start with prayer. In my neighborhood that I'm in now, I began asking God to give me sweet relationships as soon as we moved in. I remember going on a run one of the first days that we moved in. It was beautiful. It was really cold. It was February. And I just couldn't believe that God had given us this house. And I was so excited about living there and just prayed for my street. And, you know, by God's grace, immediately when we moved in, we did have some really sweet uh, neighbor relationships. For instance, I started to get to know my neighbor, Susan, right away. But many of the deeper, significant life-giving relationships that we have now that I've mentioned uh, on this podcast, they didn't actually develop until later. And some of those neighbors didn't even move into the neighborhood until later. So pray with expectation and pray with endurance. I think you can really pray like, Lord, I really, really, really want another Christian mom to move into my neighborhood. Um, that. Yeah, that's a prayer that I prayed before and the Lord the Lord answered it with a friend. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, I think the another thing that's really important for get, building relationships is to be visible in our neighborhoods, to make ourselves visible. It can be really hard to connect with people if you never see them and they never see you. So I think one of the things we can be thinking through is how we can make ourselves more visible. And there are various online ways to do this through the app next door or through neighborhood listservs. And those, those can be actually very effective. In fact, in Pittsburgh, where we were going to be only for 11 months, but I still really wanted to know my neighbors and have community, I put a notice out on next door that I wanted to start a book club for young professional women. And this really sweet book club was formed um, that even existed, I think, years after I left. But for me, I found that online connections sometimes tend to continue to be online connections. It's just sometimes had been my experience, even if you live super close by. So definitely do use those online spots. But I think it's really helpful to look for places to connect in person. And this is absolutely an area to pray about. We need to ask God to show us how to make ourselves visible so we can connect with our neighbors. Okay, so here are just some of the ways that Kira Nelson tries to do that. So I do daily runs um, outside. So daily walks, runs outside. This has the added benefit of being really good for your soul (laughs) because a run or a walk is almost always a good decision. But also if you find a time to be outside and slip away for 20 minutes for a walk, there's a good chance that you might connect with others in your neighborhood also who have that same routine. I'm thinking about my friend Liz, who I saw on a walk uh, actually right after we moved in when I was wearing my baby, she was wearing her baby and we connected that way. Also my friend Sarah, who I love so much, who we also connected on a walk. I was walking, she was walking, we said, hey. Um, And also the neighbor Carrie that I mentioned before. So I think being just on a walk in a neighborhood is a really effective way to meet some great friends. And it can also even be a chance to meet people um, that we could run with that we could partner with. Another tip that I got from the Art of Neighboring book is to be a front yard person. So figure out things that you can do with your family in the front yard to make yourself more visible. 
So again, this is going to look different for different people. One of my late neighbors, Denny, would daily sit on his front steps and just enjoy a cold beverage. And then he'd wave to about everybody. And as a result, he knew everyone. And my kids loved Denny. They would love to just stop and visit with him on our daily walks. Something that I have loved doing with my kids is reading in our front yard. I'm a homeschooler, which means I have I have to read a lot to my kids every day, which is actually one of my favorite things ever. I love reading to my kids. Um, but sometimes we will try, actually most, most days, several times a week, we will try to sit either on our front lawn or on our front step to do some of our reading. And sometimes we also do tea time out on our front lawn. We just try to be physically present in that space so we're visible in the neighborhood. But none of this, of course, is going to do anything if we never actually talk to anybody. So with this, I recommend that we just pray with boldness and we pray with bravery. Like I I always pray like, Lord, please help me not be weird because I'm so weird. Um, But I do want to try to say hi. And I think sometimes we just have to be a little bit forward um, if we want to get to know our neighbors. And I think, again, most people do want to know their neighbors. So I think being friendly and making an effort can really go a long way. But I think an important thing to say here as just a caveat is that I have certainly been rejected and I have felt so awkward before. I have felt so awkward and I'm sure I have just been so awkward and uncomfortable um, that it's made me want to crawl under a rock and pretty much never say hi to anyone ever again. But that's shame, right? That's shame speaking and it's not helpful. And it's really encouraging to me to know that God knows that I can be kind of an awkward person and that I can stumble over my words and that I'm not perfect or fabulous or, you know, all the things I would love to be. And when I feel weird neighboring and reaching out, but that God calls the awkward people of the world to love their neighbors. He's called, he's called me to be friendly and to be outgoing and to, and to try to love this world and to move forward in faithfulness. So I'm going to be praying that God continues to spare me from awkwardness, but also that when when it's hard, when I feel like I need to crawl under a rock to just continue doing the thing that I believe God has called me to do. And then sometimes there are going to be things that are outside our control, which the Lord knows about that's going to make your neighboring really miserable, like a neighbor who is really mean or who damages your property. So I just want to know I'm acknowledging that that can be an incredibly challenging thing and I'm not giving any solutions in this episode to that for sure. I'm just talking about basic getting to know our neighbors. But I think another thing that I would like to talk about is just how to deal with uh, neighbors' disappointments and how to think well about them. Because you've probably had experiences before where you have cleared your schedule to invite people over and then they bail. And this can be really frustrating. I think it's important to remember that we're living in a culture that is isolated. And so it makes sense to me that there's going to be some resistance to relationship building. So to that, I offer three uh, just encouragements. I think we need to have realistic expectations. We need to be consistent in our outreach and we need to have reasonable boundaries. So let me break down each of these realistic expectations So in the age of beautiful Instagram posts, which I love looking at, I think we can get in our minds how beautiful the neighborhooding will be and assume that if we open our homes, we will instantly have people coming over and it won't take any effort at all. 
And this can be the case. I don't want to say this isn't ever the case. I actually remember once leaving a library story time and offhand mentioning to this lovely girl from India that I hadn't really talked to at all at the neighborhood or at the library thing, um, that a few of us were going back to my apartment for a play date and that she was welcome to join if she wanted to. And then she did. She just she just came right along. And we ended up spending the afternoon together. And then she joined our informal tea times and hangouts. And we really developed some super sweet memories together before she moved back to India. But in my experience, this kind of thing is actually more rare. Many, uh, many, the many more of the more open and welcoming people that I have met in our high rise were actually not from the United States. And I think in the West, we have become more and more individualistic and independent, and as a result, sometimes more isolated. So sometimes we're not going to get warm responses to our offers of friendship right away. Rosaria Butterfield, the author of The Gospel Comes with a House Key, she said at a conference a few years back um, that in her experience, when she freely invites people to come, people that she doesn't know super well or just generally even strangers within her neighborhood, everybody tends to feel very loved and appreciated, but only about 10% would actually come. And for me, that number is actually all over the place. Sometimes I think it's even lower than that. You know, you try to reach out and no one will smile back at you or whatever. Um, but sometimes it's way higher than that. I mean, especially once you have established relationships. But I think it is helpful to have realistic expectations when you're starting so you're not super disappointed when you plan something and then nobody comes. Or when you've been smiling at people and no one will unplug their headphones and acknowledge that you exist in the elevator. I think it's also really helpful to acknowledge that I'm limited. So I can't actually know everyone well in my apartment building or in my neighborhood. Right now, my neighborhood has around 300 houses, and our old apartment building had about 265 units. So the goal was not for me to be friends with 265 people because I cannot do that. Um, that's just not possible. The goal is to have a few meaningful and life-giving relationships where we can love and where we can be loved. So if we reach out to say a hundred neighbors and 10% become friends, that's actually a lot of friends. So on that, let's talk about consistent outreach. I think the key in, in this is persistence and endurance. When everyone feels cold and it feels like no one is talking to you or everyone seems to just stay in their houses 24 seven, it can be really frustrating to try to connect. So I think having one or two small goals a day for outreach and then sticking with them can be really helpful. So for me, as I've mentioned before, I do really well when I have a degree of structure. Uh, so six days a week, I follow the same very flexible frame or mom chart to my day. And this has uh, lots of things on it, like Bible study, pray, workout, laundry, read to the baby, prep food, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I actually have a lot of buckets on my mom chart. And for me, it helps me to stay focused on my goals and ideas I, and ideals, um, just helps my brain to work well. So one of the things, one of the buckets on my mom chart is neighboring. And so for me, this just means an attempt to connect or an attempt to connect with somebody who lives near me. So if I go on a run with a neighbor in the morning, that would be neighboring. If I see a neighbor on a walk and I say, hi, that counts. Or if it's nine o'clock at night and I realize I haven't connected with anyone that day, it might mean that I send a text just to say hey to somebody or a text to make a plan to see someone. And that honestly doesn't really take very much time at all. It fits within my rhythm of life really easily. 
But the consistency of being present in a place where I live has been really helpful to me. And by God's grace, in my experience, I have been blessed with a lot of really meaningful relationships that, as I've said before, are really life-giving. These women who pour into me, who care about me, who help me, who support me in my motherhood, and who come alongside me. Um, From the book, The Art of Neighboring, I think this quote is really helpful. It says, relationships are progressive, and they don't all happen overnight. But there are some simple steps that you can take that will start you on an amazing journey. Make no mistake, neighboring is not always easy, yet it is powerful and it is significant. So there's just a lot there. Um, There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot to be thinking about. The last thing that I want to pull out is the importance of having reasonable boundaries. So as a moms, as moms, whether we work from home or we work outside the home, whether we're homemakers, whatever, we're all stretched super thin and we do not have gobs of time for, you know, really anything. Um, So I think it's helpful for me to just pick a time or an afternoon that I'm going to be open to having people over, whether honestly that's neighbors or just people from the community or people from my church, whatever, and say, this is the time that I'm going to have people over. And then I invite people over for that time. Say, you know, I'm having a a group of, of, I'm just inviting the entire text thread of neighbors, neighbor moms over for tea from four to five 30. Um, and, and just knowing that sometimes people are going to come and sometimes they're not going to come and whether people come or they don't come, it was a success because I was making community a priority. And then at five 30, I finish cleaning up my dishes and then I go on to the other things that I need to do in my day. But I think having that boundary can be really helpful at the start and at the outset. So throughout the summer, I'm going to be scattering in some of these, well, I said short chats at the beginning. This is actually a really long chat. Sorry, I didn't um, realize how long, (laughs) how much I had written before I started recording this. But anyway, sorry, this is long. Like I said, we cannot cover everything about neighboring in in one episode. This is like only talking about getting the ball rolling. Anyway, but I'm going to be scattering in some of these short or maybe not so short chats just between, um, between you and me in between the more formal interviews. So if there's a particular topic that you would love to chat through, as always, please do reach out to me on email or on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to just discuss this together and think about things that would be helpful in building relationships, really meaningful life-giving relationships that can bless us and benefit us as moms so that we can enjoy our kids and delight in the Lord. Um, so yeah, please do email me and reach out. And also, if you are enjoying this podcast, please do remember to rate it, to review it, and to share it so that others can be encouraged also. So ladies, that was just a few of Kira's thoughts on neighboring. As you can tell, I have a lot of thoughts on neighboring. I love neighboring. It's one of my favorite topics. Um, so I'm going to pray for us and then, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up next time. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for our neighbors. Thank you for placing us within our neighborhoods, for giving us specific people that you intend to use in our lives to bless us and to mold and to shape us, and that you intend to use us in those people's lives to mold them and shape them. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the people who are around us, that you would give us opportunities to connect with them, that you would give us partners within our neighborhoods. And Lord, I pray that you would give us endurance and persistence in prayer and endurance and persistence in in this beautiful thing of reaching out to our neighbors and loving them. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, I pray. Amen. Well, sisters, that's what I've got for today. So until next time, may we delight ourselves in the Lord as we delight in the calling 
that he is giving us. Mm-hmm.